0: Dan, you know, all this uh, Georgetown basketball I've been watching recently has really piqued my interest in Scottish literature. Are, Are you familiar at all with the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde?
1: Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? I mean, yeah, who isn't?
0: Yeah, well, I gotta say, they describe our team pretty damn well. I'm even reading the Wikipedia summary right now. We have an unpredictably dual nature, usually very
1: good, but sometimes shockingly evil. Shockingly, see, I would have an issue with that, Carter, because I don't think there's much, uh, much more I could be shocked by this damn program in because it's pretty damn evil most of the time. I I can't even tell you the amount of times I threw hissy fits in my living room watching that Penn State game.
0: Dude, I gotta say, I think we should petition the government to start making that
1: terrorist that they catch watch Georgetown basketball. Oh my god. I- <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things where you think you've seen it all. You really do. And they just keep finding ways to mess with your head and disappointing you. It is truly remarkable. At this point, I'm slightly impressed.
0: You know what I am, too, honestly. If we're if we're embracing the chaos.
1: Chaos not, is a ladder. Right? There's so much lower we can go.
0: We're, we're, we're holding on by a thread, and we're only four games into the season, man.
1: Oh, I mean... After that Penn State game and the way the Georgia State game started, it felt like Armageddon had finally hit this program. Yeah,
0: but, you know, as Georgetown does, we delayed the inevitable for just a bit longer, and we're here to break both of those games down, talk about the mountain standing before us that is the Empire Classic, and offer our thoughts on what we've seen from the team so far. That's a very, very PC way of putting it, but if my terrorist joke didn't land at all (laughs) it's a bit of a it's a bit of a preview for what type of episode this is gonna be (laughs) we're not holding back
1: doom gloom and uh we're gonna be very real on our takes with this team this program and coach ewing so with that buckle the fuck up here we come We are back, baby. But Georgetown yes, certainly isn't. No, man.
0: Nah, Georgetown might uh, need a uh, need a you know those things, those like dog collar things that dogs get sometimes after they were get they, surgery were they, were or they, something uh, to prevent yeah. them
1: from their face. Yeah. I
0: feel like that's our that's something we need because we we've just fallen on it so many times
1: at this point. Uh, honestly, dude, we need more facial repair surgery than any other team at this moment. I, that game, that Penn State game, y- you couldn't have started it worse. I You want to talk about the walking dead? That's what this damn team looked like when they came out of the locker room for opening tip. I mean, how do you let Myron Jones absolutely cook you in the opening five minutes of this game the way he did?
0: Yeah, we got bitched straight up. And the right-handed Javon Blair lit us up. <laughs> yeah. like, are, you, are you kidding me? Like, he sucks. He's not good. He's (laughs) so bad. I I guess, you know, anyone in Mac guards will uh, look a lot better than they are.
1: Yeah, and that's the one thing I had an issue with. Um, If you're the Georgetown scout team, how did you go into that matchup thinking that that was going to go any differently? Mac struggles on the defensive end, and you're going to put him on one of the better perimeter shooters that Penn State offers. Why don't you put him on a guy like Jamari Wheeler who can't shoot for Dick? Yeah.
0: Dude, I don't get it. Like, we knew defending the three was going to be a problem, too. That's something we've been talking about a lot. And that's pretty much what beat us. It got, it got them off to that really hot start. Eventually, we played them tough, but couldn't close the gap because of it. And, and the amount of times that, I mean, I'll pick, well, fuck it, we'll pick on Mac. Every time, seeing him just die on a screen or unnecessarily rotate up to help someone, like it really makes me think like the team didn't do their homework. Maybe we underestimated Penn State. Yeah, I mean, but Penn State is amazing, either.
1: But no, I mean they're a solid team. Us. They are a solid team. They're deep, and th- honestly, they're older and they're more veteran heavy than we are. Yeah. And that certainly showed on Thursday night because they came in and kicked the absolute crap out of us. And there's no other yeah. way to put. There's no other way to put it. Even when we had slight attempts to claw ourselves back in this game, we couldn't string together enough stops to really dig our feet in, and gain the necessary ground that we needed to to officially say, okay, we're back in this game. We're threatening to win. Penn State always had us at an arm's length.
0: Yeah, I think it's tough, man. I guess we can just keep going with the negatives because the fact that they turned it over so many times and we couldn't capitalize on it was really disappointing to me. We pretty much went tit-for-tat with them in the second half from one bad play to another. And all of the momentum that we generated, you know, I would say especially early in the second half, mostly because of Omeyer, went nowhere.
1: Uh, there was a there were a couple of plays in the first half where Ewing correctly in my yeah. opinion busted out the full court press and they struggled to handle it in the first. We really did a good job of forcing the issue and causing to uh, turn them ha- causing them to turn the ball over a lot. But there were a couple of plays and they were usually between Galen Alexander and Josh LeBlanc where the ball was stolen and the, either one of them passed it to the other, and the other flubbed the catch. The chemistry was off, and I think six points were busted in that first half because those two just couldn't link up and capitalize off of a turnover. Yeah. And that 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 was really the story of that game, especially in the late first half, early second half. We generated a lot of turnovers. We I think we generated about 20 turnovers by Penn State in that game. Yep, 20. And we couldn't capitalize at all. In fact, we won up them. We turned it over 21 times. Hey, man, that's typical
0: Georgetown. you got to beat them on the stuff that doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, And there's ne- there wasn't particularly one culprit. Pickett, three turnovers. Yurt, seven, three turnovers. McClung, three. James, three. Jagan, three. Yep. Josh, three. Terrell Allen, two. The only one who didn't turn mm-hmm. the ball over who was, pl- who was played was Myron Gardner.
0: Funnily well, enough, but I he was he over three. Probably
1: about five times that game, so... Yeah, he, it's kind of tough watching him put the ball on the floor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man. You can tell the the jump from high school to college, too, is insane because I remember watching his mixtape when, when he committed here. He was doing a lot of stuff off the dribble, a lot of step-backs, crossovers, and he can't do any of that
1: now. No, he, he's working on it. You can see the kid's very aggressive, um, but he's just not a playmaker at this. And quite frankly, I think Ewing's rotation that game was a jumbled mess. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, that we were going to get there. Um, I think at one time he had the all-star unit of Terrell Allen, Javon,
1: Galen, Myron, and
0: Kudis on the floor.
1: Cue the vomiting that, in our that, mouth. Yeah. See, listen, I, I okay, so from my perspective, I think Ewing probably got caught up a little bit into the idea of this team's supposed depth. What I mean by that is a lot of the fans, at least on Twitter, on social media, etc., all that good stuff. They we like to talk about and emphasize how deep this team is, how versatile, all the different lineups we can roll out. But quite frankly, that lineup has zero playmakers on it. None. Yeah. None. And when you're not going to play the the the, the guys on this team who are capable of going out there and getting buckets you're going to go through long scoring droughts. And that's exactly what happened. That lineup might be good defensively, and it is. But when you watch the tape on how that lineup in particular operated, there was no off-ball movement, a lot of stagnation, a lot of waiting for someone else to create a play. And that's not exactly how a good college offense runs, waiting and hoping that a teammate might step up and make a play. If you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna be good at something such as the, an offense, you need to really uh, work as a unit, and that that rotation, that supposed five person lineup, was not capable of doing that.
0: Yeah, I think in general, Ewing was very fishy in terms of a lot of his substitutions. There are a lot of times I think there was a there was a Terrell and Mac backcourt at some point that got absolutely torched on defense. There was there might have been a Jig and Terrell combo at some point. And it seemed like he was almost trying to figure things out on the fly, which really made me a little bit worried because, like we had mentioned before, we had a whole week to prep for Penn State. And I think, at least, the game plan was pretty easy. Um, And we did actually a decent job of slowing down. I I should say simple, not easy. We did a good job of slowing down Lamar Stevens.
1: Especially in that first half. He really did nothing. He turned the ball over... He was like one for eight with five turnovers or something crazy. Yeah, he finished the game four of 13 from the field. Nine boards, three assists, four steals, a block, and six turnovers for 14 points. And And he
0: still got creamed.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, when you let... Some bum ass m- named uh, Myron Jones go six for thirteen and uh, score twenty one points. That's usually what's gonna happen. But he had about fifteen points in the first five minutes. Or I, I minutes think it, or I think he ridiculous. scored yeah two thirds of his points in the first four damn minutes of the game. That was, that was ridiculous. It, it, I, I think all those shots were over Mack. So. Yeah, they they were, and that's the issue with having Mac defending someone who can score from the outside. He and you know there were there are times where he. He doesn't look like he's putting out a ton of effort. I will say, yep. uh, that game in particular, it was frustrating to watch him, as you said, fight through screens, close out jumpers. But as someone who's six foot two, you don't have a lot of room for error when you're playing on defense, so you have to be engaged all the time or you're going to get torched. And that's just that's really what we saw in that game,
0: yeah, and I, I think I think we shouldn't hold back here. Like that's definitely the worst game of his college career
1: thus far. Given the expectations for who he is as a player and what he holds himself to, without a doubt, I completely agree with you. Quite frankly, Carter, he was un fucking playable in that game.
0: You he couldn't was. play him. He was, and he he's been unplayable a lot of this year so far. We were originally wondering, like, why doesn't Ewing play Mac more? You know, maybe we thought there was a bit of a short, you know, tight leash on things, but seeing the effort against. Penn State really, I think, just exposed who he was. You know, if, if Mac's not getting a lot of playing time against these mid majors because of his defense, of course he was going to get destroyed against Penn State.
1: Yeah, and for someone such as a Mac to get playing time, he's going to need to provide a lot of offensive value, which is yeah. what we saw in the Georgia State game, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But for that Penn State game, I, people were literally clamoring for him to be benched. After the game, yeah. I mean, I.
0: Do we? You want to give some takes out after this game? Because I know it's, we were thinking of recording originally right after this, and that would have been that would have been hilarious.
1: It would have been a, after a few drinks, really but, raw um, therapy session.
0: Yeah, I guess we can maybe wait till the Georgia State recap to offer a prediction because we did see a bit of a bounce back
1: from that. Yeah, we did. Um, do you have any more final thoughts from that Penn State absolute debacle, or are you ready to mm-hmm. move on to Georgia State?
0: I don't know, I feel like with this it's I'm a little deceived or concerned because it seemed like most of the game we played good defense, except for that first spurt we did that was I agree two to seven start, and they still scored eighty points,
1: <laughs> yeah, I know uh I do think some of their points stemmed from the fact that our offense was so bad, and listen, I think this team when locked in can really hold down the Ford on defense. I'm not concerned yeah. at all about the defensive end. I am incredibly concerned about the offensive production and where that's gonna come from consistently from this team, even from our core lineup. Right now I, I don't see any consistency outside of Omer.
0: So Yeah, I agree. I think one in, I mean James showed up for a half. He started four of four and then finished five of twelve. So he should yeah, we had one and a half players show up. Out of yep. the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 11 players that played. You love to see that,
1: in. don't you? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's as yeah. bad as it gets, Carter. That's it, It's tough to see that. Um, and, you know, I have to say, it's when you look at the trio of the sophomores that we were expecting to take a leap, it's hard not to be disappointed in every single one of them up until this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Believe it. I know I sent you this earlier, but believe it or not, as bad as Mac has been,
1: you know we shit on him a lot,
0: and he deserves it. But James has been worse. Outside of that one really good half against uh, Mount, Mount St. St. Mary's and the good half against Penn State, he's been really bad. And advanced statistically, he's been worse than Mac on every front.
1: And that's Less the scary part.
0: Worse on defense, lower win shares, lower BPM.
1: And for someone who holds himself to such a high standard, someone who should be a leader on this team, someone who should be a top two player on this team, maybe even someone who is expecting to fight for an all big East first team spot. This is really not ideal for uh, James. I, I
0: think I think you're gassing James a little bit
1: there. Hey, I, I'm on um, I only there's said a lot that. Of
0: potential. I mean, you said all big East first team, like yeah. Four dogs.
1: Listen, listen, I mean, listen, 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 listen. New York Post put out predictions, and he was on that. Granted, I thought it was—I was, I thought there was a bit of a fraud listing because they had him over. I think I sent you a picture of it. They had him he over Miles Powell, right? Not first team. No, he was first team. They had him over Miles Powell, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. But that's a, that's just a tan That's a side. Ten. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe next. I mean, if James keeps, he's definitely better. That's the thing.
0: Like, I'm just. I'm concerned, and then maybe part of this is us playing better teams. But um, I think our our limitations are becoming really obvious.
1: Yeah, listen, a lot earlier than we expected. It's concerning, but uh, we all thought this Georgia State game. I was I was concerned about Georgia State. They played Duke tough. They hung around there for a bit. I thought it was a good opportunity for us to kind of fine tune some things before Texas. But in that first half, I literally I, I sent you a text message. I said this team flat out stinks we were down by 6 points going into the halftime and i think we let them go on like an 18 to 2 run at some point in this in like the latter half latter part of the first half which was ridiculous and- yeah that that doesn't make any sense i i couldn't get to watch the game but
0: it seems like every single guard on these mid major teams outplays our guards consistently
1: It's one of those that makes
0: no sense to me.
1: I I will say this: Mac deserves a lot of credit for the way he came out and fought this game. He came out. He heard you. You know, in this day and age, I hate how people are like, "Oh, tune out the news, tune tune out the noise, tune out the noise." It's not possible in the era of social media to tune out the noise, whether you want to or whether you don't want to. You are going to hear what people are saying about you. And someone who has a chip on his shoulder, the way that Mac does, you know, he listened and he came out. Literally swinging for the swinging for the seats, scored seven quick points and he was on attack mode, so you have to give him credit and my favorite part of Max's game, and we spoke about this a lot last year was that he got to the line 11 times and hit all 11 free throws. If yeah. you're Mac McClung, that's going to be a massive key to your success this season. attacking the hole and finding a way to get to the free throw line and that's what he did in this game.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm happy that knock had a bounce-back game. This doesn't change a lot of my views of him, honestly, which we'll get to, but I think we needed it. I mean, we wouldn't have won without it. We did get solid contributions from Omer again, who's been a very solid force, uh, as well as Jamarco. I want to give him some love. He has been consistent in every game so far on both ends of the floor, and he's really playing within himself well.
1: That's one of my biggest takeaways from the first four games. I think Jamarco Pickett is night and day from where he was last year confidence wise understanding his role picking his spots he is so much more confident on the offensive end he's not he hasn't just limited himself to being an outside threat the way he did last year he's attacking he's finding spots mid range where he's more effective than where he is on the outside so you have to give him a lot of credit although sometimes I do wish he would assert himself a little bit more because I think he's good enough to take on a bigger role. But you have to be very pleased with what he's offered this team. He knows his role, and he's not afraid to play within those boundaries.
0: He's our Swiss Army knife, man.
1: I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he
0: gets some NBA looks by the end of this year if he keeps it up.
1: Especially if he shows some more improvement, on the numbers wise, on the offensive end. Yeah, got yeah you got to have the counting
0: Well, I think people will be looking at the team anyway because of Omer. Without and then, you know, taking a deeper look into things, they see Jamarco's frame. Mm-hmm. And they're like, whoa, wait a sec.
1: Well, we, we all know that people progress at different rates, and Jamarco's just someone who needs a little bit more time. But let's focus on Omer a little bit. Listen, when it comes to Omer, it's impossible. There's no way he's going to avoid the Jesse Govan comparison. And right now, fans are touting him as the, next, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But let me, tell, <laughs> let me tell you, Carter, watching the offense dribble the ball down the court, throw it into Omer, and have him back someone down every time, put up a shot, or face the double team and turn the ball over, was getting a little bit on my nerves in the first half of that game.
0: Yeah, I can imagine, man. I I've noticed that he's a he's a bit of a ball stopper.
1: Hey, listen, I, I I get it. It's, it's difficult at times to face a double team listen, was Omer really getting double teamed a lot at NC State? Honestly, I I can't even answer that question. I, we, I don't even know. We know, I doubt it. I doubt it too because of the because he was, he played with Dennis Smith Jr., a true weapon, um, and here. He is facing a lot of double teams because he's showing that he is the only consistent person on this offense who is capable of going to get a bucket every single possession. And he, you could see in that first half, he wasn't anticipating the double. He, They had him guessing, and he wasn't staying patient. He was panicking, and that led to him missing a lot of open players on the perimeter, there was one possession he just missed Jagan Mosley wide open cross-court and eventually turned the ball over. And I know fans like to give Jesse a lot of shit, but one thing Jesse could do was he could pass out of the double team. And Omer just isn't quite there yet. I'm not saying that Jesse is better than Omer because I don't think he is. I think Omer is better than him in a lot of different ways. But passing, Omer needs to work on that a little bit. I agree with you. You know, he's only averaging an assist
0: a game thus far. Um, And Jesse was at about two his last two years here, which I think is a big difference. Even just from all the game footage we've watched, Jesse was way less of a ball stopper. I think because a lot of his game was more face-up. So his head was up. He was able to see the court better. Whereas Omer, if he has his back to the basket, it's going to be harder. Um, But I do think a lot of that's also chemistry and reps. Like, Omer has played four games in the last year and a half. And also, it, it's tough when we don't have a lot of shooters or great cutters on our team either. Like outside of, you know him, there isn't really a consistent offensive option. So I do have a little bit of sympathy for it, because he's the best option we got. So I'm OK with the turnovers if it means that he's given us basically 18 and 10 with two blocks on 65 percent shooting. Yeah, filthy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I, I I and people tend to forget about that too. The fact that he hasn't played in a year and a half. This is only his fourth game back and he has four double doubles. He's dominating physically, he's showing off a lot of skill down low. So what he's doing right now is remarkable and he's only going to get better.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see when Big East play rolls around and he plays real bigs. We saw this actually a little against Penn State. He hit a couple face up jumpers, which was great to see from uh a touch standpoint. He's also shooting 80% of the line, up from about 62 at NC State. So I'd like to think his jumper's gotten better, which could be an even bigger weapon.
1: It could be, and it might need to be against uh, Texas, but we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Yeah. And I will say that outside of the whole Omer thing in the first half, the, the, the scoring droughts, the most frustrating thing in the world. Because at one point, Carter, Javon Blair was our primary ball handler on the court. Excuse Uh, me. Sorry, I just threw up. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, I think Ewing, um, one of the adjustments he made was, listen, if you're on Twitter and you follow Georgetown Basketball Twitter, all these Twitter geniuses are talking about shorten the rotation. And congrats. That's exactly what Ewing did. And it's, Fairly logical sometimes. Hey, you were one of those Twitter geniuses. There, I don't I don't actually. really tweet too much. I'm more of a fangirl on Twitter. Uh, but mm-hmm. listen, when you tweet out, I know, sometimes it's just easy to get caught up into the intricacies of lineup playing, and sometimes it's just smart enough to go back to the basics, play your six, seven best players, and see how the results go. And Look at Josh LeBlanc. He received a lot more minutes, and he I think Ewing called him his energy bunny. Stepped in and really played his role well, got out on the break, created fast break opportunities, put back second chance opportunities. He, it was a very vintage Josh LeBlanc game, and you were mentioning that this team doesn't really have a lot of good cutters. Josh LeBlanc is a good cutter, and he yeah. is someone who could develop a nice chemistry with Omer, especially helping Omer find different players to pass to out of the post. So it's we're kind of getting to the question is, what is Josh's role on this team? Should he start? And if he should who would he start over? All right, I want you to go first. See, it's one of those things. I actually almost like Josh as a sixth man. Because when you look at it, who would he start over? It's either Jamarco or Jagan. I think... Mm. I personally who real okay so so okay you could actually argue that Mac could come off the bench as well um I would probably look to make Jamarco the sixth man if you're gonna bench someone I like the presence that Jagan has as a starter I like his veteran presence and Jamarco someone who can come off the bench and create matchup problems for other teams and it's you can't Replicate Josh's energy, and when you put out someone as a starter who brings that type of energy, he you would hope that that would translate into preventing some of these slow starts that has been plaguing this team.
0: Hmm. Okay. I I gotta figure out the right way to describe it. I also don't think I don't think Josh should start because I think his game is very redundant to Omer's and it would cause the paint too much for our guards, who already can barely penetrate as it is. That's and it wouldn't, point. his added benefits of like rim protection and finishing around the rim and rebounding, they're relatively redundant to Omer's because, as we've noted, Omer doesn't really have an effective backup, right? Kudus can be there physically, but there's still a lot of stuff he needs to work on, skill-wise and discipline-wise. And I think Josh is probably our second, I mean, he is our second-best big, even though he's only 6'7". He so, is. I think he's still best coming off the bench,
1: and a, you could make an argument for that, given that energy off the bench is always something that's valuable. It is, but if he is going to come off the bench, I do think he needs to be seeing at least twenty-five minutes a game due to yeah, the I, value I, that he I brings. I hundred percent agree because his game helps out our guards so much when pushing the pace of play. Yeah, there have been
0: so many times this year when he'll just beat his man down the floor because he runs faster than him. Easy bucket.
1: Yeah, there was a play against Georgia State where he could grabbed the rebound, outletted it to James. James maybe took two dribbles, hit Josh sprinting down the court. Easy foul opportunity. Josh went to the line. I remember, yeah, I saw that play on YouTube. It was great. It He's looked like fantastic. He, right? Yeah. So that's something that really can't be replicated, and that's how Josh gets most of his points. But he is the type of player who puts pressure on an opposing defense, and not many big men are able to run the court and crash the glass the way that he does. Does he have an outside game? No. Nah, not really at all. But is he capable of hitting the occasional outside jumper here and there? Sure. So he needs to be playing more. And uh, I think Ewing, the way he dumbed it down, it worked. But even though this offense saw a bit of an uptick in this game, and I think that's primarily because James and Mac hit the hole a little harder, they ran more, we saw some movement with a purpose from some of the lineups, and the fact that Omer developed some patience and anticipation in the post in the second half, that was what really propelled us to a victory. Doesn't mean my concerns about the offense are gone, because we still can't hit threes. No, not at all. So, it's one of those things where is it a little, yeah, you know, everything isn't all worked out right now, And yeah, I agree. that's concerning going into this Texas game. yeah, I
0: really hope that we don't take this game as a kumbaya, everything's all better type of game because I still did not see a lot of what I liked.
1: no, not at all. And one of the biggest issues is, outside of the six players that we just mentioned James Mac jagan Jamarco Josh Omer you can you really can't rely on any of those players outside of Omer for a consistent offensive game yeah. if you can't even rely on them how the hell can you rely on your role players
0: yeah man i it's I think our role you know the term role player is kind of a it's almost a caveat at this point because I think everyone outside of Omer and James are role players on yeah. our team that just so happened to start.
1: They're all pretty limited. Yeah, so they. Uh, it's one of these things where you look at this team and outside of Omer, is it really better than last year's team? The thing about last year's team that is attractive in hindsight is that There were a core group of veterans that knew their role, knew what they brought to the table, and looked to do so consistently every game. And I'm talking about a Caleb Johnson, a Greg Malinowski. Yep. That production you could count on. You could count on Caleb being our bruiser. You could count on Greg putting up threes, spacing the floor that way. What can you really count on from our newcomers? Terrell Allen hasn't really made a mark Especially on the offensive end, Kudus is still incredibly raw. Javon has been MIA. Ewing was really expecting him to be our instant offense player this year. Yeah, I don't, year. What
0: the hell is wrong with Ewing for thinking that?
1: He, he like in one of the postgame pressers, he was like,
0: you know, we came into this year expecting Javon to be the one that hits threes for us, and that hasn't been the case so far. Listen, like, Carter, I'm that, telling you, I was oh, my heart fucking sank. I'm when telling I heard you,
1: that. Carter. I was like, I was like, Pat, Pat. Hat. it's the Blair Witch Project season
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm dude, telling Javon you Javon cannot play he, he sh- seriously should not play I'd pay Ewing to not play <laughs> I'd pay Ewing to start him. <laughs> talk about the therapy well, our fans yourself, would need dude. after I'm that I'm serious
0: right now <laughs> oh my god wh- well god. like Javon gives me PTSD from when I didn't have a handle and I couldn't dribble Dude, I'm like, I would play you, that though, same Carter. way in pickup. And just t- be scared to do anything. And all I would do is shoot
1: threes and back rim them. I'm telling you, Carter, but when Javon comes in the game, you get excited. He's the three point threat. He's the three point threat that I don't. Because, has he even dude, has he like, hit a three like this that? season?
0: I'm going here. He's like that kid with fucking special needs in school that everybody supports because it's like the nice thing to do. It's like Javon sucks.
1: Bro. And we only that's say that terrible.
0: Because our expectations are so low.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, he, he's shooting 10% from three. Um, <laughs> <and> this, <laughs> that's pretty. That's so bad. And they're open looks, dude. He's, he's yeah, not he's, like pulling he, up
0: with a hand in his face.
1: Yeah, Javon's that player who balls out every year in the Kenner League, and then he's just garbage.
0: Garbage. Come like we,
1: regular season. We
0: need to. We If we want to be good, we need to demand more from ourselves. I think Ewing needs to demand more from his players. And that's why, I guess we can talk about this, that's why I don't think Mac should start going forward.
1: Really? I wouldn't start him
0: for the foreseeable future. So why would that be? Because I think in all the games we've seen so far, he, Mac, I love Mac, you know this, he's a ball stopper and he can't play defense. So both of those things being said, he he needs a ball in his hands to score. He's gotten a little better off the ball. But he's not going to have the ball in his hands when he's on the court with James. I never thought the pairing of them starting made that much sense to begin with, even though they're kind of opposites in their game. And I think also the fact that we have such a size disadvantage in the backcourt really hurts us because it enables teams to really out-physical us or out-play us from a physical standpoint and then shoot over us, which is why we give up a lot of threes in usually the first Seven to eight minutes of games when Mac is in before he gets subbed out, and we give up a lot of dribble penetration, which kind of leads to these open threes.
1: The rationale for that analysis makes a lot of sense, I think, because then you would have Jagan on your primary opposing two guard, who is most likely going mm-hmm. to be there, the opponent's top scoring threat in the backcourt, and then you yeah. slide JP to the three, Josh to the four, and Omar to the five, and then I, Mac ooh, would come in. I, I
0: wouldn't. I wouldn't start Josh, though.
1: Well, who would you start, then? I would start Galen
0: because, hear me out, I think his game is a better fit in the with the starters as of like a low-usage physical player who can hit threes. And I think Josh, I also think jo- Josh and Mac need to play together because Mac on the second unit will be playing worse people and be able to have the ball in his hands a lot since Terrell is kind of just going to be doing all of the... Uh, Kind of like the bitch work on the court, and Mac can take the majority of the shot. And Mac and Josh have a really good chemistry as it is. And I, I don't think you know Galen, who is someone who likes to get downhill and shoot threes, would not be able to get as many. He'd probably be able to get better looks running with the starters. And I think from a physicality standpoint, too, playing him at the three versus playing Jamarco at the three and Josh at the four. Would help us run the press more effectively, which I think is our best form of defense. I'm fairly confident in that now. That's another reason I don't want Mac to start, is because we can't run the press effectively with Mac in. No, we can And we usually need to run the press because Mac gives up a lot of points early or kind of assists in giving up a lot of the points early, even if it's not directly him. Then we take him out, we run the press. It's a good job, but you know we can't score. So then it, it's this kind of yin and this yang of Of just awfulness, because Mac is still our best shot creator on the team. As bad of a defender as he is,
1: yeah, it's 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 interesting that you mention that because Mac has always been most effective when he has the ball in his hands and he's creating. Mm -hmm. He's running off of screens. He's creating movement laterally. We saw that. We saw that against Georgia State. It's pretty obvious. Uh, The issue is, you know, that's an ideal that's an idealistic take of yours. It's never gonna happen. Um, (laughs) uh, What? Your utopian lineup of James, Jake, and J.P., Galen, and Omer. Like, I don't foresee Ewing ever going down that path. Um, the only change... You know how stubborn Ewing can be when it comes to his lineups. Um, even even against Georgia State, he shortened the leash, but he didn't completely shut it off. We still saw all the same players. We saw some of this line, the lineups that made fans want to yank their hair out. Um... I would anticipate the starting lineup stays the same and Josh plays somewhat starter minutes. And he, I would probably say Josh plays a little bit more than Pickett against Texas. I'd say Pickett plays probably about 23, Josh plays probably like 28, and then James Mack, Jagan, and Omer probably play close to 30-plus in that one. Um, I, Galen is one of those players you look at, and he can create shot opportunities. And that's something that you need to value on this team. Yeah. Because they don't have. He's a
0: good penetrator, even though he hasn't finished a lot this year. He's, I think, we could use him more. He's just and size-wise too, man. Like, I just I hate seeing us get off to these starts where we get punked by teams that we should be running off, or even at least with Penn State being competitive, and it gets downhill. You know where it becomes we give up a lot of points, and then we're playing from behind all game, and that. We're getting, we're shooting ourselves in the foot before the game can even really start. Without a doubt,
1: it's an interesting concept. I would like to see the way it plays out. If you got your wish, but I don't think Ewing's going to go there. And uh, I guess that'll bring us to Texas, which kicks yeah. off this Thursday. They're ranked 22. This is a, a. There's no, there's no point in shirt coding this. This is a massive opportunity for Georgetown. Absolutely massive, colossal. You can't understate it. These guys. If you were going to lose to Penn State the way that you did, you would want Texas to have played as good as they have had to have the opportunity to basically cleanse yourself of that loss. You beat a ranked Texas team on a neutral court, and that Penn State loss didn't fucking happen. It's as simple as that.
0: But I agree, especially because they're so close together.
1: Yeah, and the fact that Texas went into the Mackey Center at Purdue and went tit-for-tat with the Boilermakers and beat them and let me tell you, Purdue is not a pushover. They're a damn good basketball team. Granted, they lost, you know, Ryan Klein, Carson Edwards, but they still have playmakers like Nojel Eastern and uh, a couple others. So that was a damn good win. But when got Matt Horns in the middle. Yeah, that that fucking bitch. Um <laughs> he is a, he's like he's like uh, KP if KP was even more yeah, frail than he, he already is. He's got that haircut, man, like the blonde like pushover. <laughs> It is he's he's one of those guys if he's on your team you love him but if you're not you're like I can't stand that guy yeah uh but regardless um Texas they don't have a dominant player they don't they are a team that plays as a unit they're not going to blow you out of the water offensively but they beat you defensively they wear you down they don't give you shot opportunities and they really really force the issue turnover wise and that is why i am concerned about this game
0: yep 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 same here i was watching their highlights against purdue and against the other teams that they played they get up in your face they are so physical that's what worries me most honestly they, they do like to push it a fair amount especially um is it Courtney Ramey, is his name, or Lamey? Um,
1: yeah, Ramey. Courtney Ramey. Ramey,
0: yeah. Yeah, he
1: is He is really quick with the ball. He is. And he's a crafty
0: southpaw that's really good at getting to the rim. His jumper looks good from all the footage I've seen. Um, and I, I, you know, the thing is, too, kind of from a comparative standpoint, they don't have anyone special, sure, but they don't have anyone special on a ranked team. In the same way that you know we were kind of saying that our starters are role players, their starters are also role players, but they're just better ones.
1: Yes, they're role players who perform up to their roles consistently. They, they only have two players who are averaging in double digits, but they have about six or seven averaging eight or more. They shoot well from the field. They play their role. They do their job. They know what they're expected, and they have players who can shoot the three. Matt Coleman has been an absolute monster. He's shooting 60% yeah. from three. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Gerald Little, he's a stretch four player. He shoots, he's shooting 50%. So it's one of those things you look at, and there's probably they're probably going to play about seven to eight guys a lot, and their second highest scorer is a guy coming off the bench, Andrew Jones. So one thing I'm going to look for Georgetown to do uh, is – Try to slow this game down a little bit at first and work and see if you can get Omer involved because they don't have a guy yeah. who can match up with Omer in the post. It's just they don't. I think their biggest guy is about 6'9", 240. I think that might be Jericho yeah. Sims. And I, he's I springy though. He I have been like he bullied some people in their first few games. Yeah, but he's not seven <laughs> foot two eighty. <280. laughs> I'm uh, I, right. I, I think right. Omer's gonna have his way with them. But there's gonna come a point in time when as we said, we said like working through Omer is fine for a while, but you need to show that you can diversify your offense a little bit more. We're gonna need to see if James and Mac can spring our offense out and get some quick fast break points. Because James and Mac, as much as I hate to say it, they are rhythm and pace players. When Georgetown yep. is playing at a rhythm and a pace that they are comfortable at, they are effective. When the other team dictates the pace of the game, it can take both of them completely out and that zaps us.
0: Yeah, I think we go as far as our guards go. So, for us, with O'Meara being a consistent presence throughout the season, if we want any, if we need any hope of being good, we need Mac and James to show up because they're obviously our two guards with the most potential and the most opportunity for shots, and you know the ability to play through their mistakes as well. And we even saw last year that they're capable of it, but. I'm already worried that the consistency isn't there for either of them because that was their main issue last year, you know. But at least they showed up in big games from time to time, and they haven't even done that yet.
1: No, they haven't. Um, I guess you could say Max' performance in the Georgia State game was big, but that wasn't a big game. It was a game where we were expected to win, and it happened to be a better a battle because of our complete ineffectiveness on the offensive end. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I think when you look at this and. We're gonna need someone to step up and have a big offensive game. Who that's gonna be? Your guess is as good as mine, Carter. We have no idea yeah. who's gonna show up. It's as simple as that. We don't know I think where. I Josh scores a lot of points, like twelve. Oh, he'd be welcome. That's for certain. This has been It'd be such nice a nice for Elmer
0: to assert himself too. Yeah, if we're if we're gonna win, I, think, or I was about to say solid, I think he's gonna need twenty. I, yeah, I, we haven't had to play him super extended minutes yet.
1: No, and you have to ask yourself, Carter, what in the name of God happens if this guy gets into foul trouble? Yeah, I know. We're done. We are absolutely cooked if he gets into foul trouble early. Yeah. So this thing that such might <laughs> be
0: true throughout the whole season, honestly, regardless of who
1: we play. We have yeah, we have no front court depth. Even though Ewing recorded, recruited and snagged a bunch of front uh front court players, centers Kudis isn't there yet. He's a good defensive player. He's a really good presence. But offensively, it's just not there yet. It's not yeah, his fault. Bigs
0: are, bigs, bigs are very rarely ready their freshman year. I yeah. think regardless of how good they
1: are in high school. Listen, it's not a knock on Kudis. I think he's going to be a really good player down the road. It's just I do too. that offensively at the moment, he doesn't really offer much value. Defense, sure. Is he good enough to play 10, 12 minutes a game? Absolutely. But Omer's really got to be out there a lot. Um, and yeah. he's got to be very disciplined. And uh, at the moment, I know this has been a pretty doom and gloom-esque type of podcast, but I guess we have an opportunity to kind of turn that around, be positive with any predictions. But uh, I don't know, Carter. I- I'm taking Texas here.
0: Yep, I'm taking Texas, too. I Which sucks really for us because we're estu- going to be there Friday. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know, I know. I don't want to see Cal in Georgetown, but... This team has given me nothing, no with. and I think if we win, it will be some because of something we don't expect, like Mac having thirty or Omer having twenty-five,
1: or, or God forbid,
0: Javon making a shot. J- J- like J- we should J- just win the game. There, Blair Witch does.
1: Project hits the game-winning three to send us to Duke. I,
0: you should write fan fiction
1: about him. I swear. <laughs> just wait till we have our T-shirt made about him. I'm going to be wearing it to yeah. work every day. Uh, wear it to sleep. Uh, I will wear it to uh, sleep. Yeah. I,
0: I, I, I think this is close, but not... And competitive. I do think it's competitive. Because um, I think a lot of what Penn State got us with was just that initial spurt. And now we know that that can't happen. So I do expect this to be close, but I, I also think Texas will hold us at an arm's
1: length for most of the game. So you're expecting. So you're basically what you're saying is something to a similar script that we've seen. Maybe they jump out to a quick eight nothing lead, and we keep it within striking distance, but can never hit that blow to bring it even, or maybe we do and they distance themselves. No, a little bit. you know what?
0: I, I would actually predict that we probably play them really even the first half, and then they slowly pull away in the second half.
1: Yeah, that's that's just because we start
0: making mistakes.
1: It's one of those things where this Texas team, the way they have looked, they have they haven't been perfect. They've struggled. They certainly have. Yeah. But I think it's foolhardy to really come out and say I expect Georgetown to come out and beat a ranked team at this point in time. They haven't given me consistent enough play. Are they capable of it? Absolutely. This is a game I look at and say this Texas team isn't from a talent perspective is not any better than what we are. Yeah. So this is a game where we can win, but it is a, not a game I'm going into expecting to win. I'm definitely yeah, taking Texas by about five points. Yeah,
0: I, w- I was I was going to say six. Um, you did say though that Andy Katz has us beating them, right? Yeah, he
1: does. He does, and he nailed the Georgetown Penn State game. He said he thought that they were going to jump on us early and kind of hold us uh, hold us steady. From that point, so credit to him. He had us in this one. He didn't really give much of a reason. I think he was uh, basically saying that this was going to be the game where we kind of snapped out of our funk and played better and basically came out and showed that we are who, what a lot of people thought we were going to be, and team poised to make a jump in this one. He even said we were going to play Duke down to close to a one-possession game in the Friday matchup, which I think that's really wishful thinking at this point in time. (laughs) But you know, I mean, a fan, a, a boy can dream, can't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I'll definitely be dreaming. That's for sure. Um, it's going to be, I think, another stressful game to watch. I'm realizing too, our team is really young.
1: It is uh, in college years. A sophomore, we consider them veterans at this point, and that's just it, it's honestly a disservice to them because I mean, yeah. I remember how I remember the way I thought when I was a. Sophomore, I mean, if you call me a veteran, get the heck out of here, man. No. Nah. Nah. and if you speak to any student-athlete, most of them will admit that a sophomore slump is a very real thing that they have to battle. So, it, when you think of the veterans on this team, it's Omer, Jamarco, Jagan, Terrell. And those assorted that, that assortment of players, they don't really have... A lot of experience playing with one another, like compared to last year when you had Caleb and Jesse and Trey, and they'd been together for four years. Yeah. So it's all yeah, the, I, it, it's all a big transition where this team it's going to take time.
0: Yeah, the growing pains are definitely going to be real this semester. I thought I was done with them, but
1: they yeah, always come back yeah. to bite you in the ass, man. There's nothing else. <laughs> there's nothing, yeah, there's no. not much else to say about it.
0: This could be an interesting seed to plant, too, especially if we get waxed
1: by Texas. I wonder how hot Ewing seed is going to get. It, it will be interesting. With that being said, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we conclude this newest episode of Welcome to DC? No.
0: No, I think I'm just uh, ready to be on the edge of my seat with one or two beers in my hands.
1: Uh, only only, only, only one or two? Out. Only? Only Only um, bud? Only bud? What? I said only? I mean, listen, uh, Well,
0: at a time. Of, I, I have two hands. you
1: right? a <laughs> Two hands, two feet. <laughs> yeah, this team. This team is going to be the death of me. <laughs> and we got the Knicks, too. God, dude. Was, what What do we do to deserve this? <laughs> Something terrible in a past life. <laughs> I, know, tell I gotta, you, We mustn't gotta, have been go, good I people. i going to start going to church again and find out. Honest, yeah. We need more Jesus in our <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Um, sorry about a bit of a negative episode today, but you know it's a bit of a dark. We're in dark days right now. But uh, dude, we had
0: to. Yeah, we had to get it off our chest.
1: Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully next week's episode is a little bit lighter. After you know, maybe we'll surprise some people, including ourselves, and beat Texas. And then you know, I, I don't even care if we get smacked by Duke. Just beat Texas. Me neither. Me neither. Beat Texas. Yes, please. But uh, with that being said, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you. In the next episode. Peace. Hoya Saxon.